composition and layout. A face of everybody and no one in particular. No, I genuinely am an artist and I do art all day long. Most artists don't make a living out of what they're doing. I dream about it at night, trying to get those letter forms. I'm obsessed with art. So welcome to this episode of uh, the Art Republic podcast and today we're in London Fields and I'm with Magnus Joan. Hi Magnus. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for inviting me to your studio. It is a it is a cool space. How long have you been here? Uh, four years now, so yeah. Your surname, Joan, is it is it Norwegian? Is that where it comes from? It, yeah, I think so. I mean, it uh, means a person from Joan, which is a place in just in south, southwest Norway. Oh, right, it's an, an actual place. Yeah, yeah. An actual place. Have you ever been there? I have not. <laughs> <laughs> It's in the middle of the countryside, I think, farmland, so yeah. So are you, are you Norwegian originally or are you? So my parents are Norwegian. I was born in London and grew up kind of around Europe, I would say. Um, you know, Switzerland, Denmark, a bit in Norway as well. Uh, the UK, obviously, and in Italy, so. So you've travelled quite a, quite a bit, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, what, 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 what was the reasons for, the, for all the travelling around? And... Uh, my father's job. So it's like a world traveller, you yeah. know, at a young age and then yeah. sort of settling, settling here. Yeah. What was it um, that um, made you want to be an artist? What got, what you got you into what you do now? I mean, I've always been artistic. I mean, I, also, I kind of, when I was younger, or not younger, but I was when I had to choose what I wanted to be in life, you know, you can't really, you don't really, you really say to yourself, oh, I'm going to be an artist because you kind of think there's no money in art. Uh, so I kind of did a bachelor and then a master in fashion design, uh, which kind of, uh, I thought, could uh, satisfy my creative need, which it did for a while, for 15 years um, or so. And then, you know, I've, I mean, I did a lot of art before I studied fashion and uh, also, you know, doing fashion design is quite creative and you do art in a way, although not per se. So yeah, I, I mean, the story is that I moved into a new flat in uh, South London, um, in Oval, and kind of wanted new art to put on the wall. I looked around and kind of decided that I'd uh, do it myself. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of the, that's how it started anyway, so I did it. And I kind of uh, got uh, quite good feedback for friends and uh, people visiting. Um, and then, yeah, I contacted a few galleries actually to begin with, and one of them was Art Republic, and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> so, so you 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 worked in fashion design first, and then you became the artist. Had you any thoughts about doing just the art stuff before the fashion design? Is it or or was it fashion that you went wanted to go into? I don't. I mean, I wanted to do fashion. I wouldn't say I didn't want to do fashion, but I think. It was kind of a safer career path, I would say, to to do fashion, to get a job and get, you know, money, a paid job. You, you mentioned that, you know, you moved into South London, into the Oval area. And uh, so what sort of art were you looking for on your walls that you suddenly decided, actually, this is something I can do? I, it wasn't something particular, actually. I, just, I was just looking and like, oh, God, OK, OK. I mean, that's nice. That's nice. You know, and then like... Well, that's quite expensive, isn't it? And then kind of I decided to, yeah, I mean, I could do it cheaper myself. <laughs> so uh, exploring your, one of the things that uh, is often seen about uh, yourself when you read a, bag, a biography about your, your particular work is that you 
worked with Vivian Westwood, is that right? Yes. Did you work closely with, with her? Was that a, how, how was that working out? Luckily not at all. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, we were all quite a big family at Vivian Westwood. Um, if I worked closely with her, not really. I've had her come screaming at me from the end of the room and then whilst, when she reached my desk she'd calm down because I'd calmed her down as she was walking towards me in a rage because I'd used the word on a print which I wasn't supposed to um, but other than that you know she wasn't I mean she still is she was at least when I was working there quite involved uh, still in uh, quite a few of the lines but I was working mostly on the Anglomania and the ties and the scarves, uh, which luckily we kind of were left a bit more in peace, let's just say, to do our own uh, own things. It was quite a big grouping of people then, was it? Was it part of the, but you, did you, do you actually do the designs in some of those? Uh, or would Vivian direct and you'd have to? You know, I wouldn't say we were a big team at all. I mean, if you compare it to any other design studio, I mean, it's ridiculous uh, how few people we were. Um, as in a team would be 10 people per line or 20 people per line elsewhere. Um, we were kind of three or four people per line, you know, and that includes an intern or two. So, uh, yeah, Vivian with Anglomania, you know, she always, she's there. You kind of follow her lead, but uh, it's nothing that we working on Anglomania we weren't so under her kind of because uh, you know she did her gold label she followed the man with her husband andreas and uh, red label and she kind of let us be so yeah so what was anglomania then what what, what, did, what was that <clears throat> well anglomania doesn't exist anymore because they've all kind of fused all the lines together uh, but anglomania was i would say the younger more fun uh, vivian westwood line and when did you decide to um start selling your work? When did you, you decide to actually take the, the plunge and actually become a full-time artist? Um, so I had been, I mean, I'd been selling my work, I think, for a year when I kind of decided, kind of, it's, I had to make a choice. Um, I didn't want to, but I had to make a choice because the art was kind of taking over, um, both time-wise and also um, I realized I was kind of making more money on my arts than I was in my day job. Um, and it's kind of one of those things where I really didn't want to, but I had to. So I kind of decided to leave fashion because, I mean, I'm one of those people I enjoy going into the office in the morning and greeting people. I was really annoying people. I smile from ear to ear on Monday morning. So, yeah, but, you know, now I'm here, I'm pretty much alone apart from the, you know, an occasion occasional assistant here and there but yeah but so so i mean you're going from a an environment where you're quite comfortable possibly to to a solitary existence doing the arts i mean that must have been quite a big uh, moment for you that was to, to get used to i mean i wouldn't you know you trust yourself and I, I wouldn't necessarily call it solitary because you have you know i have now at least, maybe not in the beginning, but now at least I have so many artist friends, you know, I pick up the phone, I call them, I ask them and we're all kind of like, oh, did you hear about this? Do you know about this? And so it's, you, you kind of, yes, you are in a studio and the other one is probably in a studio on, on the opposite side of town, but you still, you know, you can communicate quite easily. And then you also kind of, you know, have openings and gallery vernissages where you kind of, you just meet up with old friends in a way and you always meet the same people. So, I mean, day to day, you know, you become best friends with your printers, for example, because, you know, 
they're kind of the people you talk to in the end and the po they're the people at the post office. Um, but yeah. And how did you get involved with Art Republic, the gallery down in Brighton? How did, how did you get involved with them? I mean, they're one of the first galleries I actually contacted and it is also because them I am probably um, an artist today because if they hadn't replied to that email back in 2011, I think, my first print came out, I would be working for Vivian Westwood still, I'm sure. So was it a speculative email that you sent then? What, 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 was, what did the email say? Do you remember? No, I can't remember, but I was something on the lines with introducing myself and kind of saying I've had quite good feedback uh, on this. Would you be interested in uh, stocking some of this, I think? And then kind of it took, I think it took six months from that email and they replied till I actually sent them the prints because I actually went back and kind of had to, you know, consider the paper I printed on and things like this, um, the size and everything. The first images I'd actually done were quite low resolution. So in the end, I kind of decided to redo them. But I was working and traveling so much as well. That kind of took six months and I kind of, after six months, they were ready. And I kind of said, look, here they are. And, uh, you know, they ordered a few uh, just to test the waters and then soon after they kind of ordered the rest of the edition of my first three prints um, Which was quite I was quite happy about yeah, and what, what were those prints of? What were they? So there was a Delft grenade and I think there was a Delft Uzi and possibly also the skull the Delft skull uh, Which was like a three-quarter view. Have you got them on the computer there? Can you show them? No, I'm looking at the the dates from my list, actually. <laughs> um, hang on. The three first one, Delft Skull, Machine Gun Delft, and Scarab. Just just worth noting that we're in your studio at the moment, and you've got this massive computer with a with a huge spreadsheet of all the sort of works that you've that you've done. And very organised, I have to say. Well, I have to be. <laughs> <laughs> what was? Do you remember the the feedback that you got then? So from that moment, because seeing as it was quite a seminal moment, and and it probably launched your career. What was the feedback that that I mean, the feedback was we've never seen anything like this before. You know, the scarabs and things like this and the insects I was doing. So, yeah, that was the feedback. I guess they liked them as well somehow. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure they said that, <laughs> but I can't remember. And they, and they, look, and they look good, yeah. So, so what about um, looking around schools? There's portraiture, there's flowers, there's 3D pieces, there's all sorts. I mean, where do you get your ideas from? And, and, and your energy to, to, to come up with these ideas? Well, I travel a lot. I go to Italy a lot specifically. I've lived in Italy as well, obviously. I don't know, it's, I try to get inspiration forever from, from wherever I can. Um, but you know, it's one of those things you're constantly searching for and you kind of just get an idea and you kind of try to follow uh, different ideas. A lot of it, of course, is based on history and that's kind of one of the things I'm known for as well, to kind of taking old pieces, historical pieces, and kind of reinventing them for the cur current kind of climate, and kind of breathing new life into things that people don't want on their walls. I mean, I would want them on my wall, but I know a lot of people who necessarily, they wouldn't match their interiors of modern uh, apartments, or they couldn't afford a five million pound masterpiece, so yeah. So looking at some of the works that we've got, so it's interesting here in that context about breathing new life into 
to historical pieces. And just, just behind uh, you, there's a, there's a beautiful painting. It's an 18th century painting of um, a still life flowers. It's sort of like, like von Huysen. Yeah. Can you tell me about, you know, why you would, you know, invest in this sort of painting and what, and what you would do with it in the context of your art? Well, I mean, this specific piece, I've bought it at auction. Um, probably I paid too much for it. But the thing is, it's one of those things where it's very interesting to use in my art because I, you know, I can, A, I make back the money I paid for it, but also I keep it in, the, in you know, I still have it. And that's also why, you know, I, there, are, there are a lot of artists who kind of tend to destroy art as they are kind of modernizing them by painting things on top of art or old pieces. Not against that necessarily, but I try to kind of, I want to keep um, the original um, and kind of as it is, so you can kind of also compare the two at the end. This is the original and that's kind of uh, what you've done with it to kind of make it your own and also make it something still beautiful without kind of uh, feeling that you've kind of uh, massacred a painting. And so what would you do with that some, sort of thing? Because I'm just looking at um, you know, so, some of your other works, some of your school works, which have um, this you know, patterned sort of flowery background. <laughs> is that the way to describe it? I don't even know if it is. But you, that's the sort of way that you would breathe new life into it. You would incorporate them into a more contemporary piece. Is that right? Um, I mean, it depends on the painting. It depends on what, you know, my idea is at the time. This has luckily been, has been, I've, I've used this quite a bit actually, both um, for private commissions for apartment blocks and things like this and the good thing you know when you own the painting you don't need to pay the rights so you can do whatever you want with it so which is also kind of a, a problem these days obviously because you always have you have the social media and things and if you use an image from a gallery or a museum it's bound to be picked up by someone and you kind of uh, I mean, I'm, anyways, if it's, I haven't bought the painting um, or picture, I usually buy the rights to them anyways. Um, so that's not a problem, but you know, you're always aware that there is this issue. So you, you do a lot of schools, yeah, you do a lot of grenades as well. Where, do, where does where's that imagery come from? What's, what's the thoughts behind, behind those? I mean, skulls. I mean, it's a human skull. It's, you know, it's us humans. I mean, I think as humans we we can relate to them quite easily and it's this since victorian times and even even much earlier than that roman times for that sake you know we have this fascination for the dead and the afterlife i mean that's what kind of from the catacombs you know in naples and rome you know you can so like a romanesque feel to them as well would you, would you, would you say I mean, some of them do. Most of them I wouldn't say so, but it's kind of, that's where the the initial thought comes from. And I mean, the Delft pieces obviously was a comment on the fragility of the human mind, as in the ones with the flowers in them are more kind of possibly something to do with, you know, the fear of death and not being uh, scared of death and kind of thinking it of it as something beautiful. And also that something grows out of death, you know, you have flowers growing out of this, the skull somehow. But also, you know, the funny thing is the still life as well, they have actually, 
being chopped off so they will also very soon die you know because the flowers in a still life don't last forever um so yeah it's kind of this thing about death and you know time and uh, so is that what we're seeing we're seeing commentary on life and death throughout all your art pieces or, or as a as a running theme not all of them at all i mean i think it depends on the piece You know, you, you, your, your studio is fascinating. It's absolutely cram-packed full of art. There is, um, you know, there's, there's, there's framed pieces that are wrapped, they're ready to go. You've got books, which are presumably, you know, inspirations. You've got this fantastic 18th century painting. You've got an easel. You've got all sorts of stuff going on here. Can we have a quick look round? Can we just yeah, go have, a quick, <laughs> have a quick scan and see if we can do a bit of an audio portrait? I suppose um, the sort of bookshelf here and there is book after book of fantastic, uh, fantastic art and, and artists. It's a real treasure trove if you're an art fan. Is literature in this way important to you? Yes, I mean it's kind of you know I have everything here and also books. I mean a lot of my I mean a lot of my art starts a lot of my art starts with research and I mean there's everything from books on porcelain to you know canaletto to fashion design to architecture. This is also like my collector's bookshelf, or what I should call it. Because, um, you know, you have a bit of everything that kind of inspires me here. You know, you have the crystal skull from Amazon, you have the Egyptian Ushbati, and you have, of course, something more personal to me. What was the last book you picked up here? Um, it was one I just put back, which is Goldfinger. Oh, Goldfinger. Um, no, I, I had to do, basically, the. I mean, they're releasing the new book on the 22nd of May, which is called Forever on a Day, if I'm not completely wrong. I think that's what it's called. It's a called. James Bond book, right? Yeah. Um, and for the release of that book, they asked, I think, six or seven artists to do an original for the opening of and the launch of the new book. And... I kind of chose Goldfinger because, you know, I use a lot of gold in my artwork. And uh, so, yeah, of course, I had to read the book, which I hadn't before. And it's quite funny how it's so different to the actual film, um, which I didn't know. Oh, and the, will, that, will, be, will that be on, on the, the cover of that book then, that, that commission? No, it's not, a, it's not on the books. It's actually just they're basically releasing them. They're being sold at auction at the release of the new book. So um, down here, you've got a number of... Um, of, are, are these etchings or are these sort of old engravings? Yeah, engravings. What? What? What's? I mean, the, um, there's literally piles of them. They're in. They're in gold frames, and there's probably a, a you know, three piles with you know, thirty odd. What, what are you doing with these? Um, they. Yeah, that's why they're still there because I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with them. Um, I did buy them to do something with them. I have still to decide. Yeah, it's an open kind of. I have to leave it until I kind of know what to do with them. I've had a few ideas and I've kind of gone uh, away from them, but uh, they're still here. I, that's why they're still there, because I want to be reminded of kind of I need to have a thought about what to do with them. So does that give us an in insight into your thought process as well? You go to action, you see something like that, you think, actually, yeah, that, that's going to be good. I could do something with this. Oh, yeah, but actually, for sure. the, the, the thought hadn't fully formed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very easy to say, oh, I'm going to buy these and I'm going to do, you know, paint something on top, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when you actually have them physically, yeah, don't really want to ruin them, but I, I think I'll have to. I won't force myself to do something with them when the idea isn't right. So that's kind of my 
process. You know, I might even start an art piece and then finish it two, three years later because, you know, I'm not happy with what I'm doing and like, well, I want to use it somehow, but I don't have that last bit of inspiration piece of the puzzle that will mix in to make it what I want it and kind of to make it a, a good piece of art. Does that often happen then with, with pieces that you create? There's a, like a gestation period, you start something and you, you allow yourself to, to consider and, and thoughts to, to grow before you actually come back to it? it, it, it is yeah, it? a lot of the time, a lot of the time, very often actually. I mean, I even, you know, because these aren't the only engravings I have. I have this holy Bible from, I don't know, 1700s or wherever it's from, um, which has, is full of engravings, which someone has given me. And I've got all those Shakespeare engravings from the which I have a whole load of um, and I even have a two meter long one that I bought at auction as well but you know it's one of those things they're beautiful as they are they're still on my plan chest but you know I just don't know what to do with them yet. and again these are all from from auction these are really old no those are those oh. was actually I got 12 of those as a gift for my wedding and others are from the auction or auctions um, that's from a guy who I commissioned a piece for me and came two days later after he'd picked up the commission and kind of gave me the, this huge bible as well so it's a beautiful bible it's a massive book with yeah. sort of gold leaf on the edges and yeah. uh yeah is it i suppose it's quite fragile as well is it, or is it quite... <laughs> well, the first thing i did was open it and the and the thing came off the what's it called the spine but uh let's not talk about that <laughs> So also around here, so we're just looking at these um, you know, Shakespearean things. We've got this, uh, this beautiful um, scene in the background um, and this skateboard with one of your skulls and, uh, you know, and the flowers com you know, com combined. Yeah. Can you tell me something about the sort of works that we're, we're seeing? So the one, the one with the buildings behind here, this large one, is one of the f earlier works I did, 2013. Um, it was a one-off. Uh, I did two versions, uh, or two, a set of two of them. Uh, the collector who bought it at the time, he's a good friend of mine, he, his son was playing and knocked it off the wall, so it's come back to me. I have to fix it and uh, frame it again for him, so that's why it's here. It's been here for a month because I don't want to give it back to him, but he's, he's fine. He, he hasn't got room on his walls anymore for more art, so it's fine. It's a beautiful piece. And what, what does it actually show? Is it, what, well, what building one, is it? Well, he's a lawyer, um, so he, it actually had a purse, uh, not a purse, but he had a glass, glass on it, and on the glass was a decal. And the decal said, um, break glass in case of judgment day. And that was perfect for a lawyer. So this is kind of, you break the glass and you go into judgment day, basically. So it's kind of the city of the dead somehow. And a lot of sort of works that you've been doing, I mean, you've just released, Reese one, you've done the, the porcelain skull. Yeah. And, 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 and I can see there's a, a porcelain scarab in, yeah. in, a, in a glass case just in front of us as well. What's the idea behind the porcelain and, 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 and working with this medium? Well, it's the fragility of it, isn't it? It's like the fragility of the human mind and something that is quite strong and scary also usually has has a fragile side to it as well. Do you have any influences, any people that you'd sort of draw, actually other artists and other, other people you might draw influence from? Loads. It depends on, I mean, I always come back to, you know, Robert Indiana is one of my favorite artists. Um, you can't necessarily see any of his inspiration in my work. They are there though, you know, from the, just shapes into a circle or something like that. 
old masters, obviously, Renaissance, Flemish masters. And, you know, I have a few, I have a few contemporary ones as well. And how do you create your art? I mean, is it, is it, um, is there a lot of digital work there or do you do, do a lot of painting? What sort of techniques do you, do you choose to use to create your art? It can be anything from painting to kind of gluing perspex together, to be honest, to, you know, uh, it's a mixture of everything. So to the, you know, the art piece or the painting that's been bought at auction. And if we go a little bit further sort of down here, you know, just coming to the other end of the of the gallery, you've got this this piece here, which is, you know, it's again um, figure of the Baroque, perhaps, I don't know. Uh, Saint Sebastian. Saint Sebastian. Yeah. This is an example, isn't it, where you're taking a historical image and you're transforming it and you're, you're what you were saying earlier, you're bringing it to life again. I mean, this is again, you're kind of taking the, ele you're taking elements out of the original piece and kind of making it something that is more modern and also kind of pop art in a way. I mean, the colors here I would describe as, you know, pop art and also the background is plain uh, green as well. So, you know, and also, you know, there's the arrows that go through it, which aren't in there now, uh, which kind of add this three dimensional look to it as well you like that 3d thing don't you i mean a lot of your work is 3d it's got that yes i mean i think just it brings something else to a flat piece of uh, canvas or board uh, on the wall or a print um it just brings that kind of third dimension to it obviously yeah and just out out here you got a beautiful balcony out there do you ever sit outside and just chill out and sort of get I, the easel and paint I, no 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 i don't uh, the light is too harsh i can't uh, it's to the sun, there's sun on this balcony most of the time anyways. I, I will sit close to the, win, the windows with the door open, I won't sit outside. There, there's too much wind and the dust gets in the paint. Some lovely light though, isn't there? And you've just got round the corner, you've got London Fields and sort of this time of year, you've got barbecues out there, you've got all sorts going out. You ever hang around this, this East London neighbourhood? And the thing about this place as well, like they're popping, there's new things popping up every kind of month so you always have kind of new things to go to what do you like about this area of the city it's quiet um but you're still kind of fairly central you're close to shoreditch where both of my more most of my printers are actually i quite you're kind of in your own little bubble here uh you know i guess the printers you know jealous of the print space down in shoreditch and uh, you know you can kind of do everything within kind of a half mile radius which is nice Thanks, thanks very much.